0: For the impact of your word in our lives Thank you Lord when the word is mixed with faith We have a wonderful, wonderful blend of wisdom and knowledge And understanding, all of those things And as we meditate on your word Father it does become a part of us So we thank you for the power that is in your holy word In Jesus name, Amen and praise God, Amen So uh, we're going to talk about the fact that we are created for enjoyment Enjoyment. We are created for enjoyment, and um, I don't know why people always associate God with something depressing and serious and sour and dull, but uh, that is not. The God that we know that is not our God, and uh, so we we need to understand how creation came about for man and and what part we play in it and what our role is, you know, but the sum total is that we were created for enjoyment, we were created to bring glory, honor, and joy to the Lord, and we were created to enjoy life. So joy is a big part of everything that humanity is involved in. Uh, unfortunately the devil saw that and didn't want us to, (laughs) he didn't want us to have it. And so we, sometimes our introductions to life are mixed. They're mixed with good and bad. And so some people's lives seem to be more bad than good. It just seems that the bad uh, is remembered more and it's it's capitalized on more you ever notice that it's like um, if some like the bible tells us to learn how to Sympathize or empathize with people, it says to weep with those who weep, mourn with those rejoice with those who rejoice, etc cetera, etc cetera. and so many times it 's easy for us um, to commiserate with people, but it 's hard for us to enter into a common joy with people um, because of all of the other forces spiritual forces, negative dark spiritual forces. That come into the atmosphere and even lurk in our souls. You know, uh, say for instance, if somebody gets something new, you've been praying for a new this or new that, and other people get theirs before you get yours. This is something that happens all the time. And sometimes too, people who, um are blessed in a way that they can acquire things pretty Quickly or pretty frequently and you don't know how they get them. That's the other thing, you know. So, uh, don't ever think that, that you're at some great disadvantage because you're crazy enough to watch what somebody else is doing instead of watching your own business, number one. I think once you start dealing with God, you learn how to stay focused on what pertains to you. And, uh, and, and one of the things that can happen good is that if you will learn how to come into agreement uh, with other people for their needs, then you can feel as good about their receiving what they get from God as you would if you had your own. And it keeps you encouraged and it, it makes you more of a family than uh this little uh you know, negative thing that people you know, a little negative twinge sometimes you feel uh when somebody has something that you don't have. That's gonna be a part of life, I don't care who you are and and how you think you're that's not you or you're above that or that's not what happens to you. You don't feel jealous. Uh It's just because you're, you're graced to not feel that way or maybe you don't pay attention to it or you overlook it or whatever. But we're all capable of the same kind of weakness, you know, to the flesh and to the soul. And sometimes you do get tired of waiting forever. Uh, for what you're praying for and, and you know, when people get blessed, you feel like, well, when is it my turn? Well, when you start asking when's your turn, that's some kind of envy right there, you know, cause it, it's happening for somebody else and instead of you rejoicing and participating in their joy, you kind of take a downturn. So anybody's mind can flip out and do that. So, uh, this pertains to everybody. You know, every time we get together and share the things that we share, it, it nothing's, you you're not above any of this, you know. I know a lot of times uh, Christian people, religious people, get that mentality. They're looking for something deep because uh, this is too superficial but this is where we live we live in a place uh, called the kingdom of god and god wants us to stay in there and holiness and living in the fruit of the spirit that's how we stay in the kingdom you know and he, and the enemy's constantly trying to drag us out he's constantly trying to pull us away uh, from the things that that um that that god wants us to have and it he does it through these negative forces he does it through the impact uh, of of what we hear and how it affects our soul and what's in our heart you know and so i believe that if we'll just stay steady with god he'll help to root those things out of your your mind because we all are being uh, conformed to the image of Christ and so we all have things to have rooted out sometimes you have stuff in there you're not even conscious of it'll pop up on you out of nowhere and you're like well where'd that come from you know it's in there all along you know and God in his mercy just allows you to live above it so you're not bombarded and plagued by it you know you're it's a part of you but not you know what I'm saying so so we do have to walk softly and walk humbly before God but he has created us for enjoyment he rejoices over us he has joy because of us and he wants us to share in that joy as well so in Genesis 1 in chapter uh, chapter 1 and verse 26 This is on the sixth day of creation. And God said, let us make man in our image. And that wasn't a suggestion. Whatever God has in his mind and his heart, it's a reality already. Okay, He's just releasing it. When he says let us, that means he's releasing it at that time. But it's already in his heart and in his mind. So he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them male and female have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth so Cattle, fish of the air, fowl of the sea, so in in all living, in other words, Adam and Eve were the parents of everything living, or custodians, or lords of everything living. God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So male is made in God's image and female is made in God's image. Then God blessed them and said, this is the first thing that God does to bless anything. He speaks to it. He blesses by speaking. That's why you can read in the word Something that you desire And you can receive it right then and there Because you receive the word That's how he blesses us By speaking He blessed them and said Be fruitful, multiply Replenish the earth and subdue it And have dominion over Every living thing Fish of the sea, fowl of the air Every living thing that moves upon the earth You notice he didn't give us Dominion over the skies. And over space. That's why it's taken a while. You got me? It's, you know, some things work and some things don't. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, sometimes you look at that and you say, well, it's a really ambitious thing to do. But you understand what I'm saying. It's all His mercy. It's not guaranteed. You can tap into that sometimes. But, you know, stay with the stuff God has given us to To manage, and I think we'll spend our time a lot better. God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth. So the prosperity and the increase you need is already in the earth. You're not needing him to make something new and send it to you. Everything is in the earth. So when he gives us dominion that means if there's lack anywhere in the earth it's a distribution and a management problem. And it's not it's 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 not ever going to show up or somehow we need to create more stuff. or uh, Oh yeah, the other thing that was real popular in the 60s and 70s but is not now is uh, there are too many people on the earth and it's going to be a big population explosion and pretty soon we won't have enough to feed everybody. You, you see what I'm saying? See, when God gives us dominion, he means for us to manage the earth under his authority. He doesn't mean on our own. Because on your own, you'll come up with all kind of wild ideas about it never being enough for everybody. And how do we get now And the, the first thing people do is they start aborting babies. Because there's no way. You can't control individuals' reproduction. You can just give them access to ways to cut it down. You got me? And so it's an individual that God has given each individual that ability to reproduce uh, on their own. It says here, he put everything within everything, seed, bearing uh, every herb bearing seed after its own kind. he did the same thing with all the animals and with man. And so, uh, you know, he says... He has given these things to man. He gave man the earth so that he can manage it under his direction for his glory and everybody could rejoice. So there is nothing limiting in what God says here. There is nothing that says you can't have certain things in this initial is in his initial creation plan. There are no limits here. There is no uh warning or caution about uh, don't grow too much or don't replenish too much or don't increase too much. There's nothing there negative to put a drawback into this plan that God set into the earth when he created the earth and so God expected to have continual increase he expected to have continual management of the earth he He expected man to have dominion over all of the animals now the animals at that time were not to be eaten so there's no Process here for, uh, re, uh, uh, preserving food or anything like that. that. All that came after the fall. Lack came after the fall. All of those things that we experience as negative forces came after the fall. But you can see here, there was a reason to rejoice. In God's creation because it was all good. I mean, there was nothing that was not good. In verse 31, he says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So he uh, summed up creation by creating man and woman to rule what he had created uh, as far as the plants and the animals and all those things were concerned. He created a man to manage everything, to enjoy everything, to increase, never fail at anything. The word failure's not in there. There's no fear in there. There's no caution. There's only joy in job chapter thirty eight if you'll turn there and this is uh, really a little glimpse of the beginning of creation it's it's not really the creation uh, that God was talking about in Genesis it was just really kind of a continuation of that uh, um, Genesis uh, one uh, you can you can see little smatterings of it here. let me find job. He hiding behind Esther. What are you doing up in here? Let me see Job 38. (laughs) All right. Job thirty-eight, verses four, through seven. So Job here is talking to I mean God is speaking to Job. So this is after Job kind of runs out of, you know, things to say to his little friends, and so God just steps up and starts speaking. Verse 38, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So that will teach people that want to add something to a conversation and don't know what they're talking about. Uh You don't help things. You darken your counsel by words without knowledge. Yeah, Everybody likes to pipe up and have something important to say. He said, Gird up your loins now like a man, for I will demand of you and answer me. Where were you when I lay the foundations of the earth? Declare, if you have understanding. In other words, Job, if you're so smart. And your buddies here talking, telling you what I think and what I say and how you got sick and what that means and all of. See, when we go into those kinds of areas, we darken our counsel because we don't have any knowledge of what we're talking about. We're just trying to guess, you know. But God is not somebody who guesses anything. He knows everything. And if you learn how to speak when when He he tells you to speak and tap into that, you'll have good counsel. But they didn't. He says, who laid the measures thereof, if you know, or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? So God's got the earth tied up somewhere. Hmm. Or who laid the cornerstone of it? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So there is joy always involved in God's creation. Always. Angels rejoice when God creates. Amen. So it's the same thing when he created man. Angels rejoiced. When we were created, that's why they rejoice over one sinner who repents and comes back to the original joy that God planned for us to have when he created us. The main element that's missing out of everybody's life is joy. I mean it's, I mean love, but love and joy are saying, you know, fruit of the spirit, come on, you can't really separate them out. People who are in love are typically joyful people. They're so giddy you can't slap them and say, listen, he's a serial killer. <laughs> Haven't you noticed? You, know, you can't slap him out of it. Okay, I'll rejoice with you. We'll just, we'll just watch him real close so he don't hurt nobody too bad. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Everybody gets giddy when they find somebody to love or love somebody or, you know, you, we are created to enjoy fellowship, company, attention you know, compliments you know, men know that about women that's why they, you know, it's like can we get to the no, I was not going to say that I take that back bad girl, bad girl I spanked it myself already those of you who think I need spanking I spanked it myself already but you know, like women are trying to get down to business here Uh, what you got? What are we gonna do? How are you gonna take care of me? And Pete, repeat three Pete and four Pete, cause I think I got a lot of Pete's in me. You understand what I'm saying? I got a lot, a lot of Pete eggs. So yeah, I know I'm cute. I'm the best thing has happened to you. I'm so beautiful. Isn't she lovely? Okay, we got that part, brother. But can we bring it on home? That's not how you ask for the business. <laughs> I worked in sales and they talked about certain people were better closers than others. If you work with a group of sales people. and they knew how to ask for the business, how to time it just right, you know. Sometimes women think, man, if you was going to ask for the business, you would ask asked a long time ago. It's taking too long. Let me move on to somebody who's really interesting. Okay, so I'm done with that. But anywho, amen. 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 <laughs> Where was I? All right, so God, we are created for joy and for happiness. That's why people go so far and look so hard to find it. You know, we're not looking for things. We're looking for feelings that we think things will bring to us. Huh? We're all chasing feelings. We're chasing feelings, things that make us feel good about ourselves, things that give us hope and encouragement. You know, we can... We can be lonely in all of that without having people attached to our lives. So we look for people who will put us in a different frame of mind than what we've been in, so to speak. And so we're looking for a, a, a lost feeling, I think, that we had with God during creation. We're looking for that joy. We're looking for that rejoicing. We're looking for people who will uh, provide companionship that's peaceful. We don't want trouble in our lives. We don't want uh, anybody coming in disrupting uh, what's going on already, unless it's a good disruption. Um, you know, all of that. We're we're looking for to recapture that joy and that rejoicing and that enjoyment in life. Uh, people who do not bring joy to us, we don't usually have too much time. We don't spend a lot of time with them. Uh, and that's just normal, okay? So if you want, you want joy, you gotta bring joy to the table. Now you can't just come up to people and always have a sad story, a sob story, and a negative something to say. You've got to bring something to the table. Or you'll be a joy killer. You'll be the kind of piece, person people want to avoid because you're always extinguishing. Amen, their joy. The other thing is we have to learn how to know what to rejoice over. A Bible says if you walk in love, you will rejoice in truth and not in iniquity. You know, you can't get happy when something bad happens to somebody. You've got to learn how to rejoice over the right things. When God created, did did creation, there was so much joy in rejoicing. And I think it's because the angels know the goodness of God. They know what they, and they want others to experience it. And so when God creates, he brings his goodness from inside of him to the outside of him. There are certain things that God has within him, perhaps, now this is just me thinking, that the angels have experienced from the beginning of time. And they rejoice when they see that being made available to other people. And so when God begins to create the flowers and the birds and all of that stuff, the angels sing. They they sing and rejoice and clap their hands over God's creation because here's some more of good God's goodness that they get to see. It's like they know it's in him, but they're experiencing the vision of it for the first time as well. And so that's why the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen. Because you can participate. Participate in God's joy anytime you desire, just by learning how to enter into the joy that others are experiencing. Amen? So in Psalm 118, I think it's in verse, Psalm 118, oh, 118, verse 24, I think it is, 118. Let's see. Ah, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> it talks about in verse twenty one says I will praise thee, for you have heard me, and you have become my salvation. Amen. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. So don't count out anybody who's rejected. Don't count yourself out when others reject you. Don't, you're not, you're not wasted humanity because of one experience in life, you know. Learn how to be resilient and get up and keep. The, the, the winners are the ones who get up and keep going. You know, I mean, (laughs) anybody can quit after one try. And there are some people who are so heavy with self-pity and they're worried about how they look to everybody. You look like a quitter, you know, if, we, if you really want to know. Uh, many times we just bail at the first sign of any kind of disturbance. Like we have this great imagination. It's all going to go our way from beginning to end. Well, I got news for you. You forgot to factor in the devil. Who's gonna try and stop you? But let your joy be in overcoming, not in noticing who's hindering, trying to hinder your walk. You got me? Uh, we're all gonna have to overcome something in life, or you won't know your, your, your True potential in God, and you're gonna have trouble in this world anyway. I don't know where people got the idea that trouble would never come to them. Or they get some religious idea that, well if I was doing everything the way I'm supposed to, it would go easy. (laughs) What earth do you live on? Huh? Earth to person, you know, wake up. Jesus said you're gonna have trouble in this life. He said, but to what? Rejoice and be in good cheer. I've overcome the world. In other words, you can laugh at your so-called mistakes. You can laugh at your uh, faults and misgivings. Amen. You know, I mean, don't get to the point where you're delirious because you're a mess up, but you know what I'm saying, because you get a second chance to correct them. That's why you can rejoice. And so God never counts anybody out, so we all have reason to rejoice. I don't care what comes against you. I don't care what comes against you. You know, sometimes I, 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 look at these, we, you know, we give to the Wounded Warrior Project. And sometimes I look at some of, you know, they'll, they'll do the ad pieces and you w- watch the clips of some of them who are, are rehabilitating themselves. And you look at somebody who's of quadruple amputee and they 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 refuse and to me this is part of the god thing that's in everybody that part of you that refuses to quit no matter what the limitation appears to be at this time, because I'm convinced that because many of these uh, wounded warriors continue to fight for a meaningful life, that God sets in motion their answer. Like people who are working on uh, um, new prosthetic devices, all of a sudden they work flawlessly. Because there's somebody who's struggling to get that part working again and now there's a use for it. You know, God doesn't create anything just to sit around on the shelf and and go waste it. And so when we see things like that, happening there's a God thing involved there somewhere where there's faith involved where there's help involved for people uh, you know uh, I never condemn anybody by trying to help people no matter what they're doing to help them uh, you know people think well you know you can believe God to grow a limb back well in the meantime you can do that but in the meantime let's create something to get this person up and walking around you know keep their morale up keep their encouragement up and all that kind of Thing. And some people just get, get on those devices and use them and, and they work beautifully for them so it just depends on how God is so merciful whatever faith you put out there he will help you with it but I am convinced that many of our developments and many of our creative things as far as help is concerned for people come because there's somebody out there in need who is praying for it and who really really would like to have it so so praise God for for those abilities that he gives people to create things that are helpful. So we were in Psalm 118 and we said this is the day you've made. Go you rejoice and be glad in it. That's the purpose of every day that you have. God does not plan days. Now the devil plans all the time to upset our day. But you can overcome that. You don't have to stop and and curse the darkness and get mad at somebody and throw a tantrum and all of those out of control things. You've just set yourself back a great deal because now you've released all of that a negative spiritual force into your atmosphere you've spoken words that the enemy can take and run with and create further chaos in your life if we could really stop and think about what we do when we react emotionally and when we react in negative emotions and we're out of control, we would definitely stop doing it. Because you'll, you'll notice that people who succeed learn how to hold their peace. They learn how to be kind and peaceful people. They learn how to be gentle people. They learn how to release the fruit of the spirit everywhere. And when you see failure, chaos, more failure, more chaos, you can track it down to a mouth that doesn't know how to control things. And you can, can, you know, track it down to an angry spirit that gets out of control very easily. You can just as easily, you know, people, it's amazing, people control themselves over situations where they're intimidated. Like if, you know, people who like to spout off at uh uh you know certain groups of people that they feel like they have power over you get in a group where they have no power and they learn how to be peaceful people so there's a, a an art to that and th- so it's it's that you don't want to create problems for yourself you want to be a person of joy you want to be a person of self control and temperance the to, to and patience and 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 love and and you know sometimes you just look you need to look at people in your surrounding and say lord help me to love them so much that i don't want to disturb their life with my bad temper or my bad mouth or my bad attitude you understand what I'm saying? I mean, these things are easy to correct. We all gotta correct something. I'm I'm believing that we're all a lot more spiritual than we used to be years ago when we started. So we're all on a walk and a journey in God, and we're all developing ourselves in in the fruit of the spirit. But I'm telling you, joy will snap you out of the worst stupid tirade and mood. If you learn how to tap into God's joy, and I'm not talking about psyching yourself out of of anything, but I'm talking about stepping over into the kingdom where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and you can abide in God's love and His joy, and you don't have to go through all this crazy stuff that the enemy wants you to live in. You don't have to live in the the, uh, cesspool cesspool in that nasty pot of sin and negative expectation and negative uh, speaking. So learn how to let God get control over your, your words and your mood. Don't, don't stew and let your brain be on fire and you're just trying to think of every negative thing you can think of about somebody. Learn how to grow up. If that were you, somebody thinking those things about you, you'd want to take them to court, but yet we'll do it for somebody else, you know. So we, we gotta grow up and stop that. So, so in creating man, God evaluated him By blessing, oh elevated him by blessing man with goodness. Amen. So God created us and lumped us in with all of creation. He looked around everything he created. He said it was all good. Amen. So when God confers goodness on us, that goodness sticks to us. Amen. It's not something that gets away from you. So we have really more good in us than bad. Because good came first. Good is stored in us on a deeper level. I don't care how bad the person is, they have an inclination to do something good for somebody at some time in their life. So good is, is really kinda hidden in us on a deeper level. Than anything that has to do with sin or unrighteousness, or I believe that because I believe you can find good in every person when it's triggered to be released. For instance, uh, you know, uh, if somebody's not a very skilled parent, they have a, something in them that they want to confer on that child. It's good. They don't, they don't ever say, well I just wanna, I don't care about you and I don't care what you do and they may think that because sometimes stress in their life may cause them to lose hope on certain things. But there's something there where you can see a parent no matter who they are is trying to deposit something good in their offspring I just believe that you know now there's some mentally ill people out there there there's some drug addicted people out there but even those people oftentimes have something good that they they had something good in mind when they brought that life into the earth and I believe that stays with them. So this that's why there's always hope for people. You know, we're never hopeless. We are never hopeless. Why? Because when we were created, God rejoiced, he great created us in joy, and there was goodness in us. And I think when we tap into that goodness, that's what brings a joy in our lives. Amen. So that was his first command uh to to confer goodness upon he commanded goodness on man when he was created. And then he gave further instructions in goodness. So it's good to be fruitful. It's good to multiply. It's good to replenish and subdue the earth and have dominion or or uh power, control, subjugate, cause that earth, in other words, God tells man, I've given you this earth, and I want you to be responsible for it under my authority. So it says here uh in in chapter one, at the end, let's see, I forgot to write down my scripture. I think it's twenty eight God bless them. And said, number one, be fruitful. That means to bring forth, to grow, and to increase. So there's your prosperity scripture. I mean, prosperity preaching did not start with the faith people or this faith movement. Prosperity's always been in obedience to God. The, there's so many scriptures that tell you to bless the Lord and prosper, to obey the Lord and prosper. Whoever, you know, it, there's so much of, of increase, uh, it's lost through disobedience. That's main thing number one. When you get back into obedience in God, you prosper automatically you know i mean it's an automatic thing you don't have to write 15 books and and do 10 years of teaching tapes on prosperity to get that point across to god's people i don't think i'd rather get obedience messages across to people because that will cause everything to work well in your life that's just my take on it but i think if you get to the root see you can't preach on fruit forever you gotta preach the root. So the root cause of prosperity is love of God, obedience to God, and showing God you love Him on a continual hourly basis. I mean, every time you, something comes up, say somebody offends you, takes something from you, takes you to court, tries to rob you, God expects you to show love to Him even in those circumstances. So in the difficult times, if you will obey God, your prosperity will continue if you disobey if you take a seat and start brooding about all the negative things that happened to you and all the mean people in your life and all the stuff that they did you will not prosper you got me you cut off your own you for you know if you observe lying vanities you forsake your own mercy the bible says so just it's a lie and it's a vain thing when you think that you can prosper uh, by spending time consoling yourself, feeling sorry for yourself because of all the difficult things that have happened to you in your life. You ask people who have had really, really tough lives. Kids that that have been born to drug addicted parents and had to steal in order to eat and take care of little small children when they're small themselves. And in Many of them just shrugged it off. Well, my parents couldn't do any better, and you know, I'm here now, and I want to do something with my life. You understand? They learned a long time ago lessons that many of us can't master somehow. That if I stay in that that place of just a darkened memory and a darkened soul and a an angry soul, and then feeling sorry for myself, soul, if I stay in that place continually, I will not prosper. And so God puts us, he gives us the light of his word to shine in on us so that we can obey that word and prosper. I don't care how many scriptures you have memorized, how you meditate on them. If your meditation does not translate into obedience, you have missed the whole purpose. It's not just an exercise. Renew your mind so you can observe and do What the word tells you to observe and do. And so he also tells him multiply. That means, you know, I mean, he could have just said be fruitful and and that would have taken in the whole thing, but he stresses his purpose for man. He says be fruitful. Multiply. Well, it's the same thing almost as be fruitful. You understand what I'm saying? When he says be fruitful, he means to bring forth, set your hand to something. So that you can prosper in it. So go to work is what he's saying. And your work will always prosper you. People who don't work don't really believe in prosperity. You know, cause that's the only way to it. He prospers what we set our hand to. If you're just sitting around, you don't believe this. <laughs> you know, you go back to the first chapter of your Bible and see what it tells you to do. Amen. I know there are many ministers out there waiting for their ministry to come forth and don't, don't connect that to not working a regular job. You know, don't, don't ever put those two things together, but many of them do. I can't wait till I'm in full-time ministry, yes, so you can quit your nine to five you got now. That's not what that's for your 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 full time ministry you need to be ministering to people period whether you have to work three jobs to make ends meet that ministry is in you what god has done is in you and it doesn't stop and it doesn't cease because you have to work 8 hours a day to pay your bills it, it just 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 quit that folks i mean uh, you know th- God's people, you know, the the Bible says a workman is worthy of his hire. And so there may be times when God will tell you, Hey, I got news for you, buddy. You were looking to quit because I gave you a little group of people to take care of. But you got more people on that job you go to every day that need me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, those are in already. You leave those to find the 99 lost ones. So we've got to keep our priorities Correct here folks, just don't get real juicy about I can go sit down and just be a pastor all day long, you know, because you got a place full of people. Uh, God may keep you. And you, you got a lot of pastors now who get pretty successful at pastoring and they decide they want to open a business because they want extra money. So what's the difference? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and God doesn't restrict them as long as He he's satisfied that they're taking care of the flock. He does that. Norval Hayes is a good example of that. He was a businessman first and God told him, God called him to the ministry, but God would give him creative ideas. He, he made made a business deal one time and one stroke of the pen made a quarter of a million dollars. Just at one time. Uh, Just because God wanted to bless him for doing what? Working for two years with a girl who was gone with a married man and led her to the Lord finally. So you got to understand God's priorities, folks. He doesn't see things the way we do. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So then God tells him, replenish the earth. That means to accomplish something. To confirm things. To be fully engaged in it. And subdue the earth. That means to rule over the whole earth. Dominion. Means to keep your head to it. Keep, keep your head down. Stay focused on it. Don't just do this here and there, but, but let the earth and what goes on here be your responsibility. You know, cut your grass. Mow your lawn, <laughs> you know, shovel your snow, you know, take care of your property. When, you know, I had a, a wind, wind blew, you know, uh, on my house for some reason, you know, all the things that was wrong in the original building you find out or people tell you that's what's wrong, but we, we would have a problem with, uh, wind taking the siding off of our house and the siding was off. I know it was, uh, almost a year it was it, it was from one season to the next It was going into the summer season and uh i was praying about it and i had been talking to god about it uh, you know i don't get worried about stuff folks i stopped that many years ago i thank god for it because you can mess yourself up being hasty. Getting worried. And and I'm very careful about. Who I let get involved with working on things. Hmm? I ask God who can do it. And I ask him to send me people. And I don't argue with who he sends. This is where people get in trouble. Sometimes it's not the person you think it ought to be. Or the one you like. Or one you think does such marvelous work. You need to pray about everything. And so. Uh, one day, a gentleman stopped and um, he pulled into my yard and he came up to me and he said ma'am he said i've been driving past your house for six months." He said, and I finally got time to stop. He said, yeah, I could pass down the street every day on my way home from work for most of my jobs. And I was looking at your sighting that's missing. And I kept thinking, well, stop in and, and, and tell her about it. And I said, nah, she probably doesn't have time for it. He said, or the weather was bad or I didn't know if you were here or not. Cause I, you know, go six months, it took him six months. I said, where have you been? And so I told him my spiel. I said, I've been praying for you to get here for six months. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. But, you know, if it were an emergency. Now, see, people looking at it will say, oh, it's getting wet and it's getting ruined underneath it. Well, if it were an emergency, he would have stopped. You understand me? You can find out what's important by just letting God help you with importance. And, you know, people get mad at me because I don't get worked up about stuff. I don't know. I don't say, well, you worked up enough for both of us. Well, I'm all going to join the party. You understand what I'm saying? But I think if you stay peaceful, you stay calm. He not only did that, but he did made some improvements on some things that were installed on the house that, you know, are way past their functionality. You know, he said, well, they got better stuff now that you don't have to bother with painting it all. This will, you'll never, he said, just let me put this in and, and you paint no more. I thought, hallelujah. You know, all of these little things that I would look at and say, I wish I could do this and fix it. He fixed all of them in one. Visit, you see. So if you wait for God and don't get hasty and, and don't get, you know, full of, I gotta do this and this is bugging me. If you don't let stuff bug you, you'll get your right answer. You'll get your, and his price was reasonable. You know, he wasn't trying to get anything. I wasn't trying to get anything for free, but his price was reasonable, I felt, even more than reasonable. He said, well, let me do this. I'll take something off because you're getting both these jobs done, that kind of stuff. He's got to make a living too, you know. So anyway, if you'll understand that, and see, my responsibility to my house is to take care of it because God gave it to me. And see, I gave it back to God. For him to do whatever he wants to in my property. I don't do what I want to in this property. It belongs to God. And people think that's strange. It's just too bad, but it works for me. You got me? So it means to have dominion. Keep your head down. Keep focused on. Stay focused. Don't be afraid to face things that are difficult. God takes pleasure in giving us the responsibility for the earth. It brings him joy. So he got joy when he turned over the lease to the earth, to Adam and Eve, he got joy. To see us destroy the earth through sin, he is not pleased. So his anger gets kindled when the earth is destroyed. So he is bringing us back to the original intent in his word. Amen. So we can be joyful in all things Because we were created to enjoy God and his plans for us. Problem is the devil gets in there and has already juiced us up with his nonsense on how to be happy and joyful. And it's very, very short lived. The Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. When the season's up, then you're left with the hangover. Guilt, remorse, how am I going to stop this? Who's suing me? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And so uh, God has to come to our rescue again. Amen. He has to come to our rescue again. If you turn to the book of John, you'll see Jesus' discourse to the disciples, which is John 15, I Think starting in verse 5. This, this was a long uh, um Uh, in terms of the covenant type of preaching uh and and uh because i think this was the one is this after the last supper no after he had his covenant meal yeah after his covenant meal so all of these like john 13 um, uh, almost to the end when jesus goes to his crucifixion uh is god's the terms of the new covenant that jesus has with his disciples uh verse 1 he says in 15 john 15 verse 1 i am the true vine my father is a husbandman so he's the one who tends the vine every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away so what Jesus is saying you have to go to the father and ask him don't come to me if you get pruned in other words because that ain't my job that's the father's job so he takes care all that beeswax but if you stay with me if you cling to me you got some help You disconnect from me, I can't help you. Because I don't decide who gets pruned, I don't decide who gets grafted in. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Pruning. You don't want to pray, you don't want to, what do you want to do, Christian? You don't want to pass out tracts, you don't want to witness to people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to invite people to church, you won't pick up anybody and bring them to church. If you're not bearing fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he purges it so he can bring forth more fruit so be thankful if you just got a little snip the last time we snipped off some dead branches but you're still grafted in so get out and bear some fruit so you can continue to live thank you very much See, when God says, be fruitful and and have dominion, he means that in every sense. So now for us, it's a spiritual thing. We have to bear spiritual fruit for him, or we're no good to him. He says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me, and I will abide in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, accepted ab- abide in the vine no more can you accept you abide in me so jesus is saying don't go off on your own thing don't go out and create your own ministry because you want to have a bunch of people following you and all yada 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 a lot of this stuff out here folks is man-made a nonsense you can tell the gospel because there's always something about holiness, repentance, or something in there that connects you to a holy God. You can't have uh, holy anything without coming by it through God's way. And that's re- repentance, forgiveness of your sins, and committing to a life of holiness. You can't just get holy when you need something. You need something every day. You know what I'm saying? So he says here, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So Jesus said, I abide in you, you abide in me. In other words, I want you to walk this life inseparable from me, from me, that people cannot tell you from me. I abide in you, you abide in me, we become one. And don't forget, I'm in charge. You got me? You got we never subject Jesus to our standards. So he says, If a man does not abide in me, verse six, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Amen? So when people backslide, it's because they quit abiding in Him. You know, there's something little irritating thing the devil keeps bugging them with and He gets in their heads. And He talks them into, well, it's not worth it anymore. You know, the first thing they do is get mad at the saints. You can always tell the devil's messing with people. And, and then they get mad at the church they're in. Then they're mad at the pastor and the leadership. And then they want to quit coming, or they come when they want to. And, you know, it's just like a slow death. And they don't realize, but God's cutting them off. Now they can get regrafted, but you gotta straighten up. We don't take, you know, come on folks. This is a holiness thing. All this bad attitude and stuff, it's best not to mix it in with God's people. We survive better in an atmosphere of peace, love, joy. I know it's easier to run a church full of peaceful people and loving people and joyful people. You know, you have some people with problems here and there, but they can't be rebellious people. They have to be submissive people. Amen. That's what God likes. So like it or not, that's the rules. So he said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. So this is the capper. This makes it worth it. This makes holy living worth it. This makes forgiveness worth it. This makes loving people worth it. Because there's always a payoff when you obey God. Just like from the beginning, he created us in joy. He created us to enjoy life. He was joyful when he created us. The devil took it away. And he wants us grafted back into his root system so we can enjoy life again. You only enjoy it by abiding in him. You won't enjoy life by expecting other people to like you and pay attention to you. That should have ended when you were like able to walk or crawl, you know. Babies, when they crawl, don't want to be picked up anymore. you got to chase them little rascals down to change a diaper, you know. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just normal to want to get independent on your own without all this catering. Then we get grown, repent, get in the church, and all of a sudden we want people to pick us up and, and cater to us all the time again. Come on now, you know better than that. He wants to give us our full joy again. was stolen in the fall. A lot of stuff was stolen from us, but joy was one of the majors. He says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, it couldn't be easier than that. God is glorified when you go back to Genesis one twenty seven. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. We're right back at the beginning again. Wow, is this easy. He said, if you keep my commandments, which were broken, when you let the devil convince you that you could be smarter than me, he didn't bother to tell you the fine print that that's what got him kicked out of heaven. He said, keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So abide in me and I abide in you. If I keep the Father's love, you can keep it too. Because I'm the one inside of you helping you to do it. He says, these things have I spoken to you. Why? Oh, guess what shows up again? The same joy that I had when, when we created you in the beginning, that returns when you learn how to abide in me and my words abide in you. He says, I'm doing this that in me you have joy. The devil's been telling you all this time that I didn't want you to be happy. I'm going to take everything away from you. You get saved. You can't do this. You can't do that. And it's going to be boring and dull and all that. He's lied to you all this time. He said, and I'm telling you that when you abide in this covenant that I give you, he says that... My joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He says, I'm telling you this so that my joy can remain. In other words, you won't lose my joy because of circumstances. You won't lose my joy because of things that don't go well. If things go don't go well for you, you just keep obeying me. You just keep doing what I tell you to do. You keep trying to please me. You keep doing the best you can to please me. And don't pay attention to what's going wrong in your life. Before you know it, I've fixed it and straightened it up. He says in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Ooh. Well, that's easy. I thought love was hard. I just had to be nice to people and they were treating me. me. That's not love. That's a counterfeit. That's your carnal man feeling sorry for yourself because you think you do more than anybody to get along with people. You don't. Uh Jesus did more than anybody to get along with people. Grow up. It says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, you don't have to put on an act. You don't have to go up to anybody and schmooze them. You don't, you don't have to uh, be the bigger person all the time and just go over to them and got all that anger in you and you think they don't know what's in there. You don't have to pretend anymore is what he's saying cut the pretense he says these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in other words it won't escape you because of your circumstances you will not be a circumstantial Christian and that your joy would be full In other words, you don't have those areas in your life where you can be happy a little bit and then the thought comes to you and it takes it away from you. Or you think about somebody and the last mean thing they did to you and you get in a bad mood. He said, no, you're not going to live like that anymore. He says, your joy will be full. It will not escape you. That you will live in my love. You'll abide in my love. And you'll abide in my joy. He says if you just keep my commandments. Verse 10 is so pivotal. Keep my commandments. Well sometimes I mess up. Well you need to repent. You need That needs to be on your lips every five minutes. Forgive me needs to be in your mouth a whole lot more than what it is. Amen. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I've spoken these things to you that my joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. In other words, see, it's like this. I could be happy except, you know, I did so and so and such and such and I still feel bad about that. He doesn't want, he said, no, that's not the life I want for you. Now you can get it to the point where that's totally erased. And if you dare try to think about it once or twice it extinguishes very quickly and you can step over into joy. See, you're not obeying him if, if that's what you, you meditate on. Cause what do you say? Think on things that are good, pure, lovely. So you can get that out of your mind yourself. You don't have to sit up and feel sorry for yourself. Well, I just can't get over that one mistake. Oh yeah, you can. You can, you can. You're just not wanting to. Amen. And see, the more I tell you a key to it, if we let other people out of jail first, then we won't be in jail ourselves. See, somehow people who live in condemnation like to spread it on everybody. Look for one thing a person does and build it up and embellish it and make it bigger than the world. See? And see, if you do that with somebody, you got it coming back to you. You, you sold that thing. So you live in a, a place of being bombarded with your own shortcomings and misgivings because you can't let other people out. You gotta let them out first and then gotta let you out. That's how that works. It doesn't work any other way. Huh? I found that out. I was depressed. My husband threatened to leave me. I was every day hanging on a thread. Is he going? Or is he leaving? And then one day I was sitting talking to the Lord and I said, well, Lord, you know what? I said, if he's going to leave, I said, there's nothing I can do to stop him. I said, you're going to have to do it. If we're supposed to be together, you're going to have to keep us together. That came from my spirit to God's ear. He let me hear the conversation that he had on the inside of me about me. And that came out as a prayer and a confession. And I said, well, Lord, I can't live in, in you know, on this nervous wire, this tightrope any longer. And so if we're going to be together, I'm going to have to leave that up to you. I said, if we're not together, I said, I trust that you can heal me, fix me, whatever you need to do. So I'm not a wreck for the rest of my life. But I'm leaving this wreck of a person right here, right now, today. And that was it. And sometimes God, the revelation of God comes into you in such a way that it drives out all the other crazy stuff that you think about life and you think about who you are. And so you you just have to understand some things about how God works and how he wants to keep us in joy. And I can tell you that from that day forward, every time I thought about uh, him leaving, I just laughed. You know, so he replaced my sorrow with joy. You know, that's a real thing. You know, that's a real thing. And from that day forward, I found I could laugh at the devil more and more. Nothing he did seemed to stump me. Like, you know, when the witches came to take over the Bible study, I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> come on, God. No, come on. Why well, I got to get the witches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, that's an overcoming statement. I wasn't scared of them. Um, you know, if you live in fear of being abandoned and you get suicidal and you survive that, uh, witches don't bug you because you've been to hell and back many times. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're still here. I'm amazed, God. I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? And so it just, you know, what where God takes you, and you you overcome. You do more than survive. You overcome. Uh, that, that carries with you. That's a tool that you'll use all the days of your life. You, you won't be afraid of anything or anybody. You know, they can only kill your body. They can't take your soul to hell, you know, so you, you fear God and God alone. So, when we sin, we separate ourselves from God's joy, which is an overcoming fruit of the Spirit. Anger, fear, resentment, sadness, discouragement are from below. Joy is from above. Amen. So the wisdom that is from above is full of joy. Full of good fruit. It's peaceable. Easy to be entreated. It's, it's good fruit. Amen. So God wants us to reside at all times in his kingdom where there is fullness of joy. Amen. In his presence is fullness of joy you can take the presence of God with you. Sometimes we experience it when we yield to worship, more corporate worship or congregational worship. And then as soon as worship's over, we don't know that we can stay in that place of the fruit of the Spirit and abide with God. It's just a different fruit. You know, you, you're not in the worship type fruit all the time. But sometimes the minute the worship's over, you can see people's faces getting just like they came in again and I'm thinking, why don't you stay in that flow? Explore some more rooms in the kingdom. You know, we, we know worship because it's kind of passive. Somebody put some music on and we quit fighting it and we finally yield to it and we stand up and raise a hand. You know, you can take other fruit of the spirit with you to sustain you. You can have a joy that, that happiness and a gladness that you walk in all the time. You know, you don't have to have something to trigger it all the time. Like you gotta have this, gotta have somebody's music on or, you know, that kind of stuff. Learn how to talk to God. Learn how to converse with Him. There's so many rooms to explore in your mansion. Amen? Just quit stopping in the foyer, in the lobby. You know, take your shoes off. Get comfortable. Learn how to get in a comfort mood with God, and, and how to let Him manage you. You know, God, I'm yielding to you all the time. There are other fruit of your spirit. And sometimes people get get easily um, easily made angry. You know, this just trigger things and the devil hits them constantly. Boom, boom, boom. There you over in a bad mood already. Well learn how to talk to God about that. God, let me explore the room of peace. So I'm not easily angered. You know, the, the, the word says that. Be not easily angered. Let me, let me explore the room of gentleness so that I'm not trying to bully people into, to my way of thinking all the time. I don't have to have all the attention all the time. Let me learn how to go somewhere and sit down and be a joyful person and just jo- enjoying other people's presence and company. You understand? Just, just understand there's more than you have experienced and if you're you're short circuiting on some things that you really need from God just tell him God let me explore another room in your heart and I'll let you into that room in my heart and and I can find joy there and I can find peace and contentment there let that be my joy is getting to know you abiding in you and you abiding in me God show me what that means you know, those, those words are a little confounding. You know, I mean, you think you understand them or you don't understand them and you skip over them for, for the 30th year that you've been reading that scripture. Uh, let's not skip over it this time. Let's find out what it really I live in you and you live in me. Whoa, wait a minute. You live in me. I live. Well, who's living? Who's doing the living? Well, it's Christ that's living in you all the time. you live in him he lives in you the greater one always dominates so it's like this he says if you let me have control of your life I'll live my life through you and you can live a sinless life and then you can go to the father and ask anything that you will and he'll give it to you and you don't ever have to doubt if God heard you you don't ever have to doubt that it's on the way you don't ever have to doubt that it's going to come to pass but you got to understand how this thing works. I live in you. You live in me. Well, you're going to do small living in me and I'm going to do the big living because I'm the greater one. So you can never get bigger than me in your life. But you got to learn how to submit to me. And, sub- and let me subdue all of those things that would hinder this dual life that we have. I'm co-laboring with you. You are a joint heir with me. And together we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm helping you in your faith. I'm helping you to acquire the things that you need in life. I'm helping you. To be the one who gets victorious over everything. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we were created for joy. Not for anger, bitterness, resentment, sadness. That may impress some of our carnal friends, but Lord, we want to impress you. So Lord, we thank you for all that you do. All that you're going to do. Thank you for the greatness that you're giving to us by abiding in your vine. And we don't mean just money. We don't mean fame. We don't mean any of that. But we're great in your eyes. And that's the most important place we can be great. So we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and get prayer. But we are dismissed. Amen. Praise God. I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet now here, come on. Oh, do you have a